back talking about million-dollar careers. As always, uh, my, my buddy Rob Houghton is with me. Rob is the, uh, the president and CEO of uh, MR Fairfax. He specializes in insurance in the Washington, D.C. metro area, and he is a category killer up there. So uh, he's done a great job growing that business. Rob brings a, a, a pretty incredible background in some other areas, too. So, Rob, great to have you back again. Great to have you back, too. I'm, I'm a little bit sore. If you see me moving around a little bit strangely, I was out in the garden for like the last three days, but I finally got the better of it. Oh, but I, it's all I, good, man. I'm too old to do garden work anymore. Man, 50 bags of mulch. It's crazy. It's great. It's a, what a workout, though. I think you yeah. set the record, 100 we bags at, a couple yeah, of years ago. I, yeah, you? my daughter and I, we laid 100 bags of mulch. We, we made five trips to Home Depot. <laughs> That's insane. And uh, <laughs> I can barely move the next day. You know, you figure each bag is about 40 pounds and you're throwing them around. And uh, wow, it's crazy. But anyway. Good, man. Hey, so, hey, we're talking about, let's talk about this. This is, a, this is something I'm seeing. You work with a lot of small businesses, smaller mid-market businesses, and I do, I do too. And what I'm seeing is, the I call it the entrepreneur trap. And you see it in a lot of smaller business where people know they need change. They want continuous improvement. They want to hire people to get them better. They hire really good people who can get them better. And then they don't let them do anything. Yeah. They refuse to let go. And then what happens, it's a monumental exercise in finger pointing, frustration, anger, hair pulling, nobody's happy. And um, there you go. So we're going to talk about we're going to talk about making change happen with the right people. Yeah, I totally agree with with everything you said. If there's not. a mutually agreed upon course of action yep. uh, in any type of organization, whether it's civilian or military, mm-hmm. things get out of balance. People don't communicate. They don't collaborate. They don't deconflict in terms of what they're doing. Yep. And that spells trouble. Totally agree with you. Look, the you, you can't be a leader and a micromanager. You know, if you're going to be a leader, you got to let other people do what they know how to do. Yeah. Want to micromanage and you want to be in every nit knowing detail, go put your bed in the middle of the factory floor, sleep there, you know, get in everybody's business, you know, burn yourself out. I remember great, yeah, I think I, I remember great this when I was a, a this 27-year-old Navy officer, chief petty officer, senior chief petty officer who worked for me came up and it was like, you know, a really stupid conversation. I was, I was kind of, I was kind of pissed because I was, you know, I was tired, and it was like a couple. We had a couple broken airplanes, and he's asking me, you know, like, you know, what boxes need to be swapped or whatever else. I'm looking at him. I'm going, Chief, you got 30 years of fixing airplanes. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know shit. I fly them. I don't fix them. Yeah. You tell me. You tell me the right solution. And he goes, he's looking at me going, well, this is my suggestion. I'm like, well, then do it. You know, if you just need my permission, you got it. Do it. You know, what you just said has 
global implications, geopolitical. Think about the reason why the Russians and Putin are getting their hats handed to them in Ukraine is for that reason. The US military and how it trains its unconventional uh, uh, troops and how the Ukrainians have been trained, it's an NCO army, non-commissioned officers. Those guys have been trained and led to make decisions at the tactical level. The Russians and, and also the Chinese, it's a hierarchical army. It's yep. a hierarchical military. Those guys on the ground cannot make any decisions on, on like when to fire a weapon on, 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 until they get a written authorization from like a general. Meanwhile, the Ukrainians are kicking their asses because yep. they've been trained as an NCO army, yep. as an NCO military force, because their unconventional troops have been have been trained by our troops. Yeah, that's you know that is the the metric of a great organization when the you know if if the the if the if the lieutenant on the battlefield gets killed or wounded, the first sergeant can take over, and if he gets killed or wounded, the next guy in line can take over. They understand it, and this is in business. Yeah. The president and the CEO sets the strategy for the organization. He's got the big plan. Then you hire a CFO to come in and execute the financial plan. And you let that CFO do the job. And then you hire a COO who comes in and runs the operations and sets up the factory floor or the whatever, you know, the warehousing, the shipping. And you let that person do their job. And then you've got the people under that organization who continue to execute. In the meantime, the COO or the CEO is up there managing the overall strategy in the market. You let the VP of sales do their job. You don't get into every salesperson's deal. You know, that's, that's micromanaging. But the hard part you have in small middle market companies, and this is, you know, I think this podcast is for those people, is you got to let them do it. You gotta shift your mindset from doer mode to leader mode. And that is the hardest shift. Yes. I think that is a you know, look, it's not it's that is a hard mental shift yeah. to make because what it does is you're 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 bring, you, you gotta have trust. You I deal with this all the time with the local insurance people. An insurance agency, are you kidding me? A, a, a typical small insurance agency is a man and his wife. He typically brings a kid in. And the guy is just like micromanaging the hell out of his business. Yeah. He's got every, no, he's the guy out selling. Okay. But, mm -hmm. but it's his wife, usually in her fifties that they all kind of look the same too, you know? Yeah. And they're like a freaking czar in that office. I mean, they're counting phone calls, they're counting pencils, they're counting paper. Man, these people in there, it's like serving on a prison sentence. Yeah. And this is what I find in a lot of these small firms, which, as a matter of fact, I recruit people from this the small mom and pops, right, mm -hmm. to the medium size. That's where that's where my source of candidates is. These people that are smothered under micromanagement uh, in these almost despotic relationships, I recruit them out of out of those into yep. the into the bigger firms where there's more mm -hmm. of a process because. As you and I know, as business owners, it's relatively easy to start a business up. 
And, and if you're good to sell and get it going, but man, to scale a business, to build in business process, to lead instead of do, yep. I can do it, you know, but yep. I choose not to because it's a lot of work. Hey man, the happiest, a lot of work, man. the happiest words a CEO will ever hear. I got it. I'll take care of it. Give me three days and you'll be thrilled with the results. And then you go out and you take care of it. That gives a CEO complete or a business leader complete comfort. You know, the, the words that, you know, you know, look, I came down to, uh, when I came to North Carolina, I was VP of sales at a big real estate development company. We had, you know, $800 million worth of real estate under, under development. And the guy I worked for was a colossal idiot. He was a colossal idiot. Colossal moron. <laughs> and it's like, hey, you know, let me set the strategy. I'm going to set the strategy. Here's what the, you know, here's where the markets are. You develop the property. You get all the approvals and the permits and the EPA stuff because that's what you're good. What you're good at. Now yeah, he yeah. wasn't. He wasn't an idiot. He was actually really, really good at that. Right. Exactly. But he didn't know how to sell. Yeah. Exactly. And he didn't know how to market. And he didn't know how to go to. He was like. He wanted to get into the nitnoids of just the, you know, the CRM system. You know, yeah. he wanted, how many leads did we get today? Did we qualify them? Did we, whatever, you know, it drove me nuts. And then I was almost happy when the financial crisis came along and the whole thing blew up because I, I could just walk <laughs> away from it. <laughs> Sometimes you need a higher power to step in and put you around the yeah, back, man, back that's, on the right yeah, path. That's, yeah, that's the... Uh, yeah, that's the word, but that's the but that's the thing is that if you want to, you can't be a leader and a micromanager both. Well, you know, the, you know, we've done podcasts on this uh, previously, and you know, leadership and management are two completely different things. Yeah, two completely different things. Leadership, you know, leadership is empowering, enabling people up mm -hmm. and up and down the chain of command. You know, mm -hmm. management is more like pouring over spreadsheets. How many calls did you make? Yeah, you know, how many prospects do we have? Anybody can manage, you know, mm -hmm. but to be a leader, that's totally different, totally yep. different skill sets. And a lot of people don't even realize that. But yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, leading is all about accountability and, and uh, but I let's totally agree, man. But I'm going to flip the other, now I'm going to flip the, I'm going to flip the record over. Oh, okay. All right, good. You join the organization. Side B, okay. Side B, you join an organization. Oh, no, no, no. And then you realize... Yeah, I'm working for somebody. Yeah, look, nobody wants to hear their baby's ugly, right? You yeah. come in and you look at it, you go, oh, that process is really bad. Oh, man, I can't believe you guys have been doing this for for this long. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you don't have a CRM. What, your CRM is this? That's like 100 years old. We can't do that. Yeah. So you go into this organization and you flop your butt down in your chair and you're looking around and you're going, yeah, yeah there's, it's, it's a work in progress, right? But you go in and you say, your baby's ugly. And now you just insulted everybody who's been there. Yeah. For, you know, making it happen yeah, you know, with whatever resources they've got. And you're going, this, you know, this is all messed up. Well, I'd be kind of pissed off if you came into my organization and did that too. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute, we're, 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 we're making it, we're making it just fine. You know, until you, you know, what? If you want to, yeah, can you make us better? Make us better, but don't tell us we've been all screwed up. For the last I think, yeah, I think this is, 
this is where you get into this uh, by, with, and through that, that, that you and I are talking about. It's got to be leadership works not just top down, but it also works bottom up. Mm-hmm. Again, that's why our military, particularly special operations, has no peers. Yeah. You know, is because leadership goes up and it goes down. And there's a proper way to advocate for change. You yeah. Have, you have to get, you know, you have to be a good listener. You have to ask the right questions. You have to be communicative. You have to be collaborative and you got to deconflict. I totally mm-hmm. agree with everything you said. You, you know, of course, by would be, you know, by the person that they, that you're talking about, the new VP of sales, mm-hmm. you know, with, he's got to do it with executive management, the board, yeah. he's got to get buy-in and also with his staff. And through is important too, because you have to do it within the current constraints of the company, right? the rules, the playbook, the, uh, the owner's manual, you know, mm-hmm. the process. So, yep. again, military, civilian, it, it kind of all works the same if you think about it. You know? Yeah, well, hey, and so I'm going to qualify your statement a little bit, Rob. You know, and, and people don't know this. You have been training special forces people for, yep. for a decade and a half. So you, you understand this a little bit. So when people are like, you know, why is he talking about special forces? Yeah, Rob has been actually actively training special forces um, as part yeah. of another deal. And uh, but I, I agree with you. And that, you know, that's the one thing that the special forces do well. They understand the lay of the land, but you got to get the buy-in of the organization. And you're not going to change, you're not going to necessarily change the organization. So you have to figure out how to make the best with what you got inside the environment you're in. Yeah, you know, it was always amazing. I got on a Fort Polk and uh, a lot of the special forces uh, trained before a mission. And it was always amazing. The communications package would always show up, right? And it would always, they'd always be missing a part. There was uh-huh. a guy that couldn't go to training because his wife was pregnant. I mean, it, it never worked out of the box or, or, or out of the truck. But it was never ceased, it never ceased to amaze me that a group of guys sometimes who weren't even trained in communications would improvise and get that thing set up within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And it's just it, an amazing group. And I was really uh, flattered to be a part of that. And, uh, but it's like business though. I used to always think to myself, you know, am I wearing my military special forces hat or am I wearing my civilian hat? And it all kind of works the same, you know, I mean, it's just, it, it's the same people, but some, 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 you know, some of the lessons that you're talking about, Im- improvisation and you know, communication, collaboration, deconfliction, everything you're talking about, yeah. by, with, and through the whole thing. Yeah. And, and look, there's a good friend of mine, Jan. There's a, there's a friend of mine I know. You know, he's, he had okay success. Could have been a lot better. He's probably re- he was really, really good. He's really, really good at what he did. And I know he was really good at what he did because all the people would come up around there go, he was kind of the best boss and the best teacher I ever had. But where he started to fail was if they would only let me do this, I could do that. Yeah. If they would just, you know, you're like, time out. You know, they're not, you know, so you got to do the best. They're not going to change for you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Not, you know, they're not going to throw 
a whole bunch of more money at the pro at the you know at the at the they got so much to invest they're not gonna they're not gonna double that sure. you know so it's your job to figure out how to give the best results you can in the environment you're in you know with the dollars you have yeah. and communicate to people you know what your strategy is if you're continually telling people their baby is ugly you're gonna fail yeah. I think one of the best things a person can do, like a junior executive, right? We're still on side B, right? So we're talking about yeah. the guy that gets the job. Let's call him a VP sales. Okay. So he gets a job. You know, it really starts even during the interview process. I mean, but at the latest, the first day, because a good junior executive should get buy-in at the earliest you know, at, at the earliest part of the relationship he can, because if you think about it, when do you have the most leverage in a relationship, in a professional relationship? It's when you're interviewing, right? You have all the leverage. If you walk in there on day one, your leverage is out the window because, hey, you're an employee, man, you know, I'm paying you. Here's the plan. Okay, roger that, right? But if you're in the final interview and, and you ask the question, hey, what could I do in the first six months? To make a difference in this organization, you start talking about potential changes, some of the, the, the things you're talking about, right? Right. And here's where the magic comes in. Okay. Hey, when you do the employment agreement or the offer letter, let's write some of these things down that, that I'm advocating for. And you make that yeah. part of the agreement. But here's the key it's got to be mutually agreed upon. Yeah. If you can come up with, with some, some workflows or some goals mm -hmm. or objectives that are mutually agreed upon, within let's say 60 days of employment. And sometimes you're not gonna be able to do all this stuff during the interview process. But if you put in your agreement or your offer letter or employment agreement, you know, based upon our conversations that we've had, as part of this agreement, we're gonna meet within 60 days to put together a list of mutually agreeable benchmarks and goals and objectives. Mm -hmm. And you got that in your agreement, okay? There, there is no, well, I don't have time. No, it's in the agreement. You have to do it. So you sit mm -hmm. down and you make these mutual agreed upon goals. That's where the magic happens, man, because yeah. now you do have the leverage and you have the buy-in and you have the collaboration. It's not like twisting anybody's arm and goes, well, I don't, I don't have any money. You're like, hey, look, dude, you know, we're going to put together some mutually agreeable benchmarks and metrics. Then you've got leverage and you have some sort of control. Yeah. You know, and that's, a, you know, that's a great point. And there's the one thing when I take on a search, I write it, I write a, a detailed position description is you, I hate writing them because they take so much time, but it's about four pages long. Who's the company? What's the goal of the position? Why somebody should look at it? Who the players are in the organization? You know, it's not the little one page bullet thing, you know, Person must get results fast. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interact and communicate with the team. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, the lazy HR, the lazy HR, uh, you know, the lazy HR position description. Yeah. You know, um, no, it's it's a detailed thing. Here's the job. This is the job. Now the person who is hiring me for the job has to buy off. I have to get their approval for the position description. Is this accurate? Yes. You go through the interview process, you know, you bring up a good point. At offer letter time, you know, 
Dear Sally or Joe, we look forward to you coming on board the company. This is the position. These are the goals for the next six months for you to achieve. There you go. Complete understanding. When you have two people with complete understanding at the, you know, at the time, life will be pretty good. Okay. I actually went at that a little bit differently, okay? So I'm in the process of making a big search now. This is a guy that could that could potentially be their, their individual, their face of the organization, their practice leader for the state of Florida, brand new territory, okay? We're talking about the offer letter. And I, I asked him, I said, his name is Rick. I said, Rick, put together a list of everything you want to accomplish. 30 days, 90 days, six months in a year. Put it together in a form of goals and objectives, benchmarks. And he actually did it, two pages long. I said, are you sure you can do this, man? I mean, mm -hmm. is this reasonable, realistic, based on what you know about the company? He said, yeah, yeah. He says, I can do this. I'm not sandbagging or anything. These are realistic goals that if I work hard and I get the resources, I'll be able to, I'll be able to do this. I mean, some pretty mm -hmm. big numbers in terms of sales. I says, okay, if, if I uh, show this to the client. And he says, yeah, sure. I show it to the client and I recommended that this be an, an attachment. And this is his benchmarks and goals for the next year because on the client side, they were very concerned about paying this guy all this money and then him showing up and being a dud. Yep. And then having to wait nine months or a year. And I said, don't wait nine months or a year. Here mm -hmm. it is right here. You've got 60, you, you, you got a 90 day goal. Mm -hmm. If he's not doing anything close to this, you got problems. He goes on a 30 day notice, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Well, You're not going to wait a year. And it, 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 it's great for everybody because everyone's like fully bought in and accountable now. That, that's when you get the magic in the bottles, when people are like flying out of bed, knowing that they've got a clear path to success and everybody's on board. You got the resources, everything. Yep. Why don't you just make it part of the interview process? Here's my, here's my goals. Well, and you bring, bring candidates in and you're going, hey, look, here's, here are my goals. You know, take a look at them. Yeah, and let's talk about it in, in this interview process. Yeah, absolutely. The interview and, process is where the candidate, now I'm speaking on, on side B now, right? So in terms of the candidate, mm -hmm. you lose all your leverage after the interview process. That, that's why I tell people, yeah. come with lists of questions, talk about goals, objectives, metrics. That's when you want to talk about it. Because if you wait until you show up on day one, it's, it's, it's too late. Yeah, no, I agree. You're, you're, you're there. You know, at yeah. least now when you show up, you go, hey, wait a minute. During the interview process, you told me you needed this, 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 and this done. And I gave you the plan to do it. Right. And that's why you hired me. So if now you're balking on it, you know, if you're if you're getting the EBGBs or second thoughts or buyer's remorse or whatever, let me know now. Yeah. Because I'm either going to, you know, we're either going to talk about it, how to get back on the right track. Or let's just cut the relationship. Yeah, let's just cut the relationship early, um, because it's going to be, it's going to be ugly. The thing that causes the most concern in an organization is lack of communication, yeah. lack of goals. But you know, like I said, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where you know, from a, you know, from a, a you know, employer CEO standpoint, you think everything's fine. It's not. You know, hey, when I got married, my wife came into the house and. 
no, she's looking at my, you know, yeah, she's looking at everything. Well, we bought a new house in California, but you know, I want a dude decoration. Yeah, exactly. She's like, no, yeah, yeah. you're not getting dude decoration. Yeah, yeah. You know, she wanted her decoration. It was a little overwhelming to me. Yeah. You know, we had to compromise on it. You know, like we had to communicate. You know, she won. I listened. It was good. You know, but yeah, that's the way organization. Yeah, that's it. Yes. Yeah. So I'll give you another uh, military analogy. I guess maybe it's Memorial Day or something, but I'm in a military, I'm in a military mode uh, this morning, but the military actually bookends that. And and you probably had the same thing in the Navy. Okay. You know, before a mission, there's what's called a CONOP, concept of operations. Right. Concept of operations is nothing more than a business plan that's been thoroughly discussed, thoroughly investigated. And there's a meeting in the minds between the commanders and the staff, officers, NCOs. And that's your concept of operations. Yep. It's briefed and it's approved. Boom, that's it. And all your authorities really stem from that. So you have a concept of operations. Then you go to battle, you know, or you conduct a mission. Afterwards, you have what's called the AAR, after action review. That's another very communicative, collaborative discussion so that you discuss what went right and what went wrong so that when you do the next mission and the next conop, it, you get better and better and better every time. It's an mm -hmm. it, iterative process, which is what good, you know, C-level people do in the, um, in the corporate world, you mm -hmm. know? It's a good business plan. It's communications. It's a plan. It's understanding what you want. You're fully understanding what you want, fully understanding what you need, and then giving people the ability to go make the change. Yeah. That's continuous improvement. On the flip right. side, it's coming in and saying, I understand what you want. Here's the plan that's going to get you there. You'll be happy with it. You'll be comfortable with it. I'm not going to overwhelm you. Yeah. And life is good. Good, and man. That's, you know, and that's it. So. Yeah. Rob, how do folks get a hold of you? Rob at mrfairfax.com is my email. The website, www.mrfairfax.com. We're on LinkedIn. We're on YouTube, podcast. We're you've all over the place. You've got phenomenal blogs going. I just read one today. You got phenomenal blogs going. You got a lot of you got a lot of great stuff out there. So thanks for coming on as always, Rob. You too. Thanks, Greg. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pippen.